0: This is Martyr She Wrote, and I'm Anna Clark Miller, a religious trauma therapist. This podcast is for survivors of religious trauma and abuse, so consider this your trigger warning. If you want to learn more or support the podcast financially, check out my new book called The Religious Trauma Survival Guide. Details are at EmpathyParadigm.com. Don't worry, though, you can still listen even if you haven't contributed financially. (laughs) Let's dive into a topic that's serious as hell. Welcome, Martyrs. It is season two. I know. You're so excited. Josh is here with me today. Josh, say (laughs) hello.
1: Hello, Martyrs. Even if you're not excited, we are very excited.
0: Yes. Uh, It has been a while. It feels like it's been a lifetime, honestly, since season one, because I've literally moved across the country, and so have you.
1: Yeah. And I was thinking about that earlier, that it does feel like such a gap between season one and season two. But then I went back to a few of the podcasts I regularly listen to. And there's like a year between season one and season two. So like, I think we're doing okay.
0: I know, I know. But a lot of exciting things are happening. For example, we are really focusing on religious trauma stuff with Empathy Paradigm, our consulting company. And the big news is i just published my first book (laughs) it's called the religious trauma survival guide (laughs) i'm really excited about it really really proud of it honestly uh it has a lot of the content that i use in my religious trauma trainings that i do and listeners you are welcome to purchase it on our website at empathyparadigm.com. You may have just heard that in the intro, actually. Uh, But if you do decide to invest financially in that, just know that that is also supporting this podcast, because otherwise, we're just doing it pro bono, like ministry. (laughs)
1: Like ministry. Well, who is the workbook for, specifically?
0: Yeah. So it's written specifically for religious trauma survivors who either are in therapy or aren't, but want to process their religious trauma. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of like a self-guided way to think through all of the stuff you've experienced and learn some tips for healing and recovery and hopefully get some language, too, to just be able to articulate it with other people.
1: Is it a substitute for therapy?
0: (laughs) Glad you asked that, Joshua. (laughs) Um, No, it is not a substitute for therapy. In fact, I think it would be a great supplement to therapy. But, you know, I know that not every therapist is trained and specializes in religious trauma. So this is a way to like I said, get some language, have some words to describe it. And I think if your therapist is anything like me, they will be delighted to have you coming in with some insights.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what about therapists specifically? Like, is it a helpful tool for them to use with clients in therapy? Or is it more of just something to help them be familiar with things that their clients might be dealing with?
0: So that's a great question. And I think it depends on the therapist, whether or not Mm -hmm. they'll find value in like bringing that into therapy, but the workbook will have a lot of reflection prompts, like questions for the reader to, you know, self-reflect and really dig. And I think those might be useful for therapists who are, Wanting to help out clients with religious trauma and not quite sure what types of questions to ask. So hopefully, yes, it will be useful for everybody.
1: Mm -hmm. And you mentioned reflection prompts and giving language to a few of the experiences. What else can people expect to find in the workbook?
0: Yeah. So my favorite part is the assessments. I've got like lots of little quizzes where you can like check off boxes and be like true or false. This thing happened to me or I have felt this way about my experience in the past. And what I love about those is it's sort of a way for you to get a sense of what you've experienced and how it's affected you without you having to imagine and come up with all of the ideas on your own. It's sort of like I'm handing you some examples of religious trauma or some examples of how people cope with trauma in unhealthy or maladaptive ways. And so this is sort of a handy guide for making that easier for you to figure out and identify.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm really excited to see it come out as a final project that I personally will hold physically in my hand because I'm not a digital <laughs> person. I need books to be physical, but I'm really excited to hear from other people that get to go through it and experience it and see how it helps them.
0: Yeah, I'm excited and I'm sure I will almost immediately be editing it and ready to do a version two. But, uh, you know, that's just the overachiever in me, I think.
1: i <laughs> it's gonna end up being like the dsm we're gonna have a <laughs> we're gonna have a workbook version five light uh-huh. and like all the different varieties of it
0: yeah it's gonna be like the iphone like iphone 15a or whatever
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it's just minor tweaks <laughs> yeah well how does that relate to this season of martyr shiro
0: so i i feel like Last season of Martyr She Wrote was very uh, I was just really, really trying to get it out there into the world instead of sabotaging myself by being a perfectionist. And so (laughs) I didn't put a whole lot of thought and planning into it. (laughs) But season two, I'm hoping is going to be a different experience because during the break, we sat down and came up with like a list of topics that we thought. Listeners would want to hear about and and topics that we didn't address explicitly in season one. So I'm hoping it'll be a broader picture and, you know, a more intentional story.
1: Mm -hmm. And more representative of the issue as a whole and not necessarily as pigeonholed into the very specific niche that season one kind of was in. What are some of those topics? What can listeners expect?
0: Yeah. So... The episode I'm probably most excited about is talking with Linda K. Klein, author. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She wrote the book called Pure. If you haven't read it, go stop this podcast now and go get it and read it and then come back. But we talk about purity culture and it's just a great conversation. Other episodes are on topics like... Hell and why the doctrine of hell is traumatic. Another one is about raising kids in religion and avoiding trauma, or, you know, trying to avoid trauma at least. I have a cult interventionist that I interview who is attacking, you know, the, the issue of religious trauma from a very different angle where she works with people who are actively in high control groups, especially if they have like family members who are concerned. And, uh, some of the ways that you can gently tell somebody that you're concerned about their involvement in a group without taking away their autonomy. Um, so lots of different angles, hopefully. What else am I missing?
1: Nothing. I think that that sums it up well. We don't want to give away all of our secrets, right?
0: (laughs) It's true. Josh, what are you excited about with season two?
1: Well, I am excited to hear from my partner. He is going to be in season two, talking about his experience. I think it'll be an interesting episode for a lot of reasons, but I think that it brings a pretty unique perspective in the form of someone that experienced religious abuse in a little bit more of a subtle way. You know, We've talked a lot, especially in season one, about some of the more intense or overt ways that someone can be abused in a high control faith system. But we didn't really get the chance to explore some of the more insidious ways that it shows up in family systems that maybe aren't even overtly religious. So I think that'll be a really powerful episode. I think it'll resonate with a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I definitely want people to feel like their experience of religious trauma is valid, even if it's not the extreme, you know, dramatic storytelling, because is just as harmful. In fact, sometimes it's harder to heal from trauma if you are denying that it exists or downplaying it or saying, you know, other people had it worse. And so I hope that listeners know that wherever you are, whatever your story is, even if to you, it doesn't sound intense, if you are noticing its impacts in your life, then it matters and it's worth validating and it's worth processing.
1: Absolutely. We're not playing the trauma or suffering Olympics. Like there's no <laughs> gold medals here. Every experience is valid. And I think that's something that the workbook will help people understand is that like they may not be scoring off the charts, but there is still language that can be used to help them understand what their experience was, even if it's not. PTSD, even if it's not a cult or something like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a analogy that I like to use a lot when I'm talking to my clients, especially if they're just wrapping their head around or acknowledging that they did have a trauma is sort of thinking of it like a wound. If Hmm. you have a broken bone before you're going to be able to get it set and get a cast on and start healing You have to acknowledge that it's there, that it happened, that your arm is, you know, at a weird angle that it shouldn't be at, (laughs) you know, and like ignoring the wound or pretending it doesn't exist. All that does is keep you from healing and keep you from getting the treatment that's going to help. And so the workbook might sound scary and overwhelming, or this podcast might be overwhelming for people who maybe are used to not confronting their trauma but mm. the reason why we even bother doing this is not because i like to torture people <laughs> i promise <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> i know right but the reason is that i want to shine a light on the wound so that you can start healing that's the goal relief mm-hmm. and and liberation And spiritual wellness. And I think those things can only happen when we are truthful with ourselves and with other people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Healing and wellness in whatever way that looks like for you specifically.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, we have decided to try a little something different this season where every once in a while we would like to include a story that is submitted by one of our listeners or the many people we know that have shared this experience of religious trauma. So if you have a story about an adverse religious experience that you would like to share and potentially have it read on the podcast, go to empathyparadigm.com podcast. And you can fill out a form sharing your story, however much or little detail you want to give. And you don't have to leave your name if you would rather remain anonymous. We want to respect your privacy, but we know there's power in storytelling. So tell us your story.
1: Yeah, and you can type it out or you can leave a voice recording, whatever's going to work best for you. You can even just share without the intent of us reading it on air there's a box that you can check that says i don't want you to read it on air and that's totally okay too another type of story that we are collecting are some of the funny ones we ended the last season's episodes with just kind of a funny story about christian culture in general and we'd love to hear those too because there are a lot of experiences in faith systems and in religious communities that are funny <laughs> and we want to make sure that we're sharing those too.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, Josh, do you have any uh, funny stories that you would like to share?
1: Yes, but I need a second to think about it because I don't have one off the to top of my head.
0: Okay. Well, while you're thinking, I'm going to share mine. Okay. So when I was in college, I did a like summer job. I worked at a, a Baptist church in Houston where it was like a day camp where basically people dropped their kids off and we just like indoctrinated them all day long. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we did field trips and and sports and stuff. So it was it was fun. But I led a Bible study every day with the kids. And I mean, these are like five to eight year olds, like real small. And the topic of this one day's Bible study was the fruit of the spirit. And so... To start out, I wanted to sort of like reward the little folks in that class that were familiar already. So I was like, who can tell me some of the fruit of the spirit? And somebody was like, peace. And another person was like, patience. And then this one like shy girl raises her hand and I'm like, yes. And she goes, is is penis one of them? <laughs>
1: Yes, child. It is. Oh,
0: no. And I would like a couple of the little boys in the class were like, hey, hey, hey. they were like giggling to themselves. But then, like, everybody else was just as confused. And I was like, no, that's not one of them. Peace and patience are, though. Let's keep talking about that. <laughs> like, I am not about to have a sex talk with a whole class full of like little kids. <laughs>
1: Oh, I love that. That sounds like a joke that I would make now if we were talking about the fruit of the spirit.
0: I know, right? But now I can't ever hear the term fruit of the spirit without thinking, is penis one of them?
1: Uh, wow, that's amazing. Um, Anna, did I ever tell you about the time I got knocked out by a water balloon? No. Okay, so... So in all of our years of being good friends, have you ever known me to suggest playing with water balloons?
0: I have not.
1: Yeah, well, there's a good reason. I'm scared of them. So,
0: Aww. Oh, it's a trauma story. Okay, okay. So.
1: <laughs> it is, but in the most ridiculous kind of way. So I was on a traveling team with my college that would essentially just go to different Christian camps and represent the college and try to convince kids to come to our school. And we went to one in Colorado and it was like in the mountains. And they essentially just kind of gave our team free reign to just (laughs) like run a bunch of these games for all of these kids and that type of thing. And there was another team there from another Assemblies of God University, but The one guy there, his name was also Josh, he and I were running this game called North versus South, which in and of itself is problematic. But essentially there were um, two teams broken up into North and South. And then each side had water balloon launchers and they would shoot the water balloons across the field and the other half of their team would try to catch it in these trash bags. And so if they caught them, they would run over to me and get, like, this fake money that we had because the teams were competing for money that they could, like, cash in at the end of the night for points. Oh,
0: my and God. That's so capitalistic.
1: I Well, you know. And um, <laughs> Josh was like, hey, I'm tired. I'm just going to go nap. I'm like, what? I'm not going to run this game of 40 kids by myself. And he was like, nah, you got it. And he just left me there. So I was like, okay. What? whatever it's fine and so i'm trying to run this game and i'm standing in the middle of this like field area while these kids are just launching water balloons back and forth and if you don't know what a water balloon launcher is it's like a massive rubber band with a little pouch in the middle that you put the balloon in and you just like pull back on so you would have a
0: huge slingshot
1: Yes, you would have one person on each side of this rubber band and then one person just like lay down with the middle of it and (laughs) release it. (laughs) But the thing is, is that because they were trying to get so much distance with it, whenever they would release it, they would like stumble forward. So at any given point, these kids are getting closer and closer to the middle. And I had to keep saying, no, you have to back up. You have to get back to your line. Well, it was just me against all of these kids. And so I wasn't doing a very good job keeping up with them and handing out money. And so I didn't notice that they were getting a little too close. And at one point I had dropped money and I was like, oh, and so I bent down to pick it up. And when I stood back up, I heard a like, that was like really close. And when I turned, I caught a balloon straight in the face and it wasn't actually a water balloon because they didn't have water balloons. They were regular balloons filled with water. So these things were not oh, going to bust. those are
0: solid.
1: That thing hit me so hard. It knocked me up into the air off of my feet and onto my back. And I blacked out. I was completely knocked out for a oh good I don't know, ten or fifteen seconds, I think, because when I like opened my eyes, some of the kids were around me starting to panic. And so I got up really fast and there is money like raining from the sky because I had like <laughs> thrown it when I fell backwards apparently. I was like trying to play it off and like keep the kids calm and be like, Okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. But like I couldn't really see and I was dizzy oh, no. and I just grabbed one of the older kids and I was like, You're in charge of the money. Mm. And I like started making my way to the bathroom to be like, I think I'm blind. I think it knocked my eye out of its socket because I couldn't like see. (laughs) And on the way to the bathroom, which was only like 100 feet away, I collapsed a few different times and like got. You had
0: a concussion.
1: I did. And I was, like, making my way into the bathroom, and another counselor was nearby, and I was like, hey, I got hit with a balloon really, really hard. I need you to take over the game. And she was like, oh, my God, you need the nurse. And I was like, probably a hospital, but sure, call the camp nurse as well. And I had looked in the mirror, and, like, half of my face was just bright red and already bruising, and it had knocked the contact, like, out of my eye. So that's why I, like, couldn't see. But So luckily, I still had my eye, but... My face was swollen on one side, and they like
0: two face from Batman.
1: It's what it felt like yeah. for sure.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs>
1: what it felt like. But yeah, I ended up having like a great two concussion, and it was horrible. But yeah, I just get so much joy picturing like getting a balloon full on in the face and what my body must have looked like flying <laughs> into the air and it raining money. It's just one of those camp experiences that were objectively horrible. But also, Uh I look back at fondly.
0: (laughs) Okay, but here's the real question. Did you find a way to make a religious analogy out of it?
1: I'm sure that at some point I talked about how God protected me from it being any worse. Like, I'm certain that happened. But I can't remember any specific sermon coming out of it.
0: Yeah. I wonder (laughs) if it convicted you um, about, like being too distracted with money, too preoccupied (laughs) with, like, worldly things. (laughs) And it took a balloon to get your attention.
1: That's Yes, it took God using a tragedy (laughs) to bring me to my knees. (laughs) Thank you, God, for the trauma.
0: For the the traumatic brain injury. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm Awesome. Well, listeners, I hope you're excited about season two. We can't wait and we'll see you soon. Can't wait. Bye. Well, that's all she wrote for this episode. If you have any questions, lean not on your own understanding shoot me an email at anna at empathyparadigm.com. Bye.